Hello everyone and welcome to the Insurance Age podcast. My name is Ida Axling, I'm the news editor of Insurance Age and I am here with our editor, Sean Barton. Hello Sean. Hi Ida. Sean, can you take us through the uh, top five stories of the week commencing 5 August 2019, please? Well, yes, I can. Our top story this week was a former AIG claims handler was jailed for a £390,000 fraud. Number two, another fraud story, ghost broker sentenced for 18 counts of fraud. At three, Broly CEO announces products that counters absurd dual pricing. Number four, Bennett Christmas becomes Ethos Broking's ninth regional powerhouse. And finally, um, following the Aviv results, they pledged no market exits at the moment. Right, so it's a very fraud-dominated list. Uh, can you talk us through what's going on there, Sean? Yeah, I mean, um, they're two very separate stories, really. Um, the top one is about the AIG claims handler. Um, very sad story. £390,000 fraud. Um, the, the guy in question was jailed after he um, abused his position to steal money from the employer by diverting customer payments into his own account. Um, now, this particular person was sentenced to two years in prison after pleading guilty or to fraud by abusive position, fraud by false representation, and one count of money laundering. And on the ghost broker side, which as I'm sure everyone um, is aware, that's a completely different kettle of fish. Um, this person, described as a prolific scammer, he was sentenced to 16 months imprisonment, but it was actually suspended for 18 months. And he got 300 hours of community work, three months curfew, and was ordered to pay back his victims to the tune of £8,000 and court costs of £1,200. So we don't want to talk too much about these uh, fraud cases individually, but we have been seeing more and more fraud cases come through lately. So is there a pattern to these? Yeah, we've um, we've written a lot about them recently. Um, we don't write so much about insider fraud. Occasionally, um, we'll get we'll get one of those where perhaps someone's stolen information from their company and sold it on, or um, or diverted payments into their own account. We write more regularly about ghost brokers, um, and um, that's that's a fairly fairly common headline on the Insurance Age website. But the one we're writing about the most at the moment is some um, scammers who are, they're called clones. And what they tend to do is um, copy a legitimate company name and then they'll set up a Instagram or a Facebook page with a mobile number and um, sell fake insurance to, to people. So that's, I think we're almost doing one a week of those, aren't we, Ida? Yeah, there's loads of them all the time. No, I was just thinking. Looking at the the sentencing for these cases, do you think uh, do you think it's fair? Um, it's hard to say because I don't know what what the legal reasoning behind each each decision is. Um, I think generally, if it's insider fraud, people do tend to go to jail, which which I would see as a deterrent. But there is a lot of suspended sentences for for the ghost brokers, and um, I'm not sure the market really feels that's that's a strong enough deterrent to these people because they, they do tend to be very prolific and um, they, they're quite they're affect a lot of people and it also, it also affects the reputation of the insurance sector as a whole. Absolutely. It is uh, 
Yeah, it must be. They because there are so many of them, it must be working. So they must be selling stuff to to lots of people. Yeah, well, this this guy he had to pay back eight thousand pounds. So I don't know how long he was active for as a ghost broker, but um, that's that's no no small sum. Um, the thing that I wonder about is a lot of these. Um, if you look at these pages that people set up, to me they don't look particularly professional, um, and also generally they're just linked to a mobile number and we've seen sort of incredibly colloquial um, WhatsApp message discussions between these ghost brokers and, and the people they're scamming. It makes me wonder, um, would would people fall for this sort of thing if, if the re- reputation of the insurance industry was more professional? I know it's something the market's striving for, um, I don't think they're quite up on par with, um, say, accountants or lawyers at the moment. But if if you, do you think customers would f- fall for fake lawyers or fake accountants in the same way that they fall for fake ghost brokers? I, don't, I, I would hope there's a, a bit more critical thinking going on. But then again, I don't know if they're falling for, for these brokers, then perhaps they would. Yeah, it's in, it's interesting, but I, I'm pretty sure that we'll continue writing about these types of frauds. I know the industry's got lots of initiatives in place to help identify fraudsters at the at the start of any um, any contract or when they try and buy policies, and there's loads and loads of technology out there to to identify them. Um, it is interesting to 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 consider if the deterrents are strong enough. Um, it's not really for me to say, but looking looking at the ghost breaking sentences, I'm not sure. Not sure they really are tough enough. Um, have we? I don't think we've actually seen any of these clone brokers in court yet. So no. um, I've actually got no idea what what the deterrent is are with respect to those. So um, that's one we should keep an eye on for sure. Definitely. But I think that's enough on fraud. We don't want to depress anyone too much on a Friday. Um, Ida, I know you, you spoke to Aviva following their results, and that's when they they pledged they they pledged that stability and consistency, and said they weren't planning to exit any lines. Um, what what did you um, talk about when you spoke to them? Well, basically, the background is that Aviva, they reported a a mixed set of uh, half-year results this year, and uh, they've seen a bit of a decline in personal lines, but uh, they have grown in commercial lines, which is where they do the majority of their broker business. So uh, during this call I had with uh, Colm Holmes and Phil Bales, I uh, took the opportunity to ask them whether they are uh, planning to uh, pull out of any business lines, because... Uh, and the reason for that is that it seems like a lot of uh, a lot of other insurers are choosing to pull out of unprofitable business lines and schemes at the moment. And uh, yeah, what what sort of exits have we seen so far? Uh, well, it's it's been a bit of a mix there as well, but uh, it's uh, a, a lot of them have been around uh, the liability markets, uh, and I think mm-hmm. that's mainly because the there are fewer and fewer insurers there who want to do take the more compli- complicated and difficult risks on. And yeah, uh, yeah. we've written a few stories about uh, construction in particular, 
But uh, I've I've been making a few calls lately for a, another article, which is about the uh, latest set of actor statistics, and uh, and they they're looking at commercial lines as well. And uh, during those uh, calls, I've spoken to several people who have said that they're seeing a very like strong hardening in uh, uh, the liability lines in particular. Yeah, so it's, it's fairly hard work at the moment if you are in that space. Yeah, there's less competition. They're saying that a lot of the MGAs even are pulling out. And uh, I, I thought that was a bit interesting because uh, traditionally what I've learned about MGAs is that they're happier to take on the more difficult risks than the larger insurance uh, companies are. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, I know I know in some areas that is that, that difficulty in getting insurance is causing causing closures in the construction sector, isn't it, with um, yeah. some of the, the building inspectors and um, and that sort of thing. And some building bodies have warned that construction essentially won't be able to happen if it doesn't get sorted out, particularly yeah. if we're talking about the approved inspector scheme of insurance. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's interesting to sort of focus in on that, that liability space and um, just get under the skin of it a little bit. Yeah, and it's uh, I guess you can you can uh, see it from the flip side that it is perhaps a good while it is a challenging environment for brokers perhaps it is a chance for them to prove that the sector is actually uh, doing good and that they're helping these companies mm-hmm. that are struggling to find insurance so perhaps see it as an yeah. opportunity to really do the traditional broking job and get in there and. Uh, uh, yeah, get in companies. there with that advice. Yeah, and um, I think when when you were off on your holidays, actually, the CII launched a broker guide to construction. So um, that's that's a um, a resource they can turn to should they need it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's enough for today. Um, thank you, Ida. Thank you, Sean. And thank you very very much for listening. Um, we will look forward to doing the next podcast and hope you can join us thank you bye thank you bye